0: So the topic tonight is uh, the history and the controversy surrounding how to write a Megillus Esther. And we're going to, with the time we have, we'll see how far we get, but we're going to try to cover two major, major issues, which both are relevant today, in how to write a Megillus Esther. One is how to write that Saras B'nai Haman, which is all these pictures here. And the other one is how to do, how to make all the psuchas and the stumas in the Megillah Esther, which is a much, much greater controversy actually, than this one. The a psucha and a stuma is a psucha, parasha psucha means when you leave the line blank till the end and you start on the next line. That's called the parasha psucha. <coughs> when we refer to parasha like parashas Yisraeli and parashas Mishpatim, that's a misnomer. Really should be referred to as Sidras Yisraeli and Sidras Mishpatim, because parasha refers to the paragraphs, the halachically, technical term. So when we say a parasha psucha, that means that the line before it was empty till the end of the line, so the parasha following it is called a psucha. I mean, it begins with nothing before it. A parasha stuma would be like this one, where the space is just in the middle of the line, right, so the parasha following it is called a parasha stuma because it, it had something written before it on the line. That's a Paschus tumah and a Paschus Pesuchah. And it's, uh, the halacha is that in the Sefer Torah and likewise Paschus in the Megillah, if you make a parasha stuma where it's supposed to be a psuchah or a psuchah where it's supposed to be a stuma, it's puzzle. So it's obviously very relevant to know how to make the psuchos and stumas in Megillah. So that's there. And there's a tremendous controversy, which is a fascinating controversy, about that. Well, let's start with uh, the with, uh, Aserahs B'nei Haman. So the most familiar Aserahs Hamam Haman that most people have seen in a Megillah is the one that's in the center, that's Minigah Elam. 28 line, right? 28 line is just a, 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 a line for how many lines you want to write in your Megillah. So a little background over here. Typically, in in Seferi Taira, there were three minhagim, how many lines the Sefer Tira should have per column. There was one minning 60, another minning 48, and another minning 42. Each one had a remes. 60 was... Um, 60 was what? 48 was the Masoist. 60 was... I memory now. What was sixty? Different remes. I remember That Now Slipped my mind. Well, Carson 60, that's what it was. <laughs> no? Something more significant than that. Um let's say if there was six, 48 Masoyas. Okay, slipped my mind. So sixty is one remes, forty-eight is another one. And uh, Membes, which is actually the current minig, also all our sefretari are written with forty-two lines, this is Vidibara Bum. Or Hashem, Bam, Sinai, BaKodesh. So there's a, a Ram as So that's the way we write our Seferi 42 lines. Traditionally, everything was written with 42 lines. If you stuck with the of 42 lines, your said Torah were 42 lines, your Ksuvim, your Nevi'im, and Megillus were written with 42 lines as well. So the older Megillus were written with 42 lines. That was, the, that was generally the way it was written. At some point in history, no one knows exactly when, um, they developed this minig of making a 28 line Megillah or a 21 line Megillah, and the purpose of that is order to have Hamelach at the at, at the top of every column. That's known as a Hamelach Megillah. This Megillah over here, example of that. So obviously the first page is going to be he, but other than that. They all start with Hamelach, right? This, this is a 20, twenty-eight. There's a twenty-eight line Megillah, okay? Twenty-eight line Megillah, and it's Hamelach. No one knows where that many began. No one can really trace it. The Chayeskim not excited about it because they say there's no reason for it. And then they say other oh, Suarez that may be uh, Hamelach. You know, we just stamp Hamelach in the Megillah is is to Akadish Baruch Hu. Now, in a Sefer Torah, there actually is a halacha, what should be at the, there's a minig I should say, how each column should start. It's called Vave HaAmudim. If you next time you get an aliyah, you'll notice that just about every single column in the, in the, in the Sefer Torah begins with a Vav. And that requires some manipulating of the words so that that should happen, that every column should begin with a Vav. Granted, Vav is a kind of a common letter, as HaMelech is in the Megillah, but there's such a minute. it's called Vav Beha and that's the way we write a sepher with a few exceptions, almost every single, um, with six exceptions actually, every single column begins with a Vav. And even about that, the Ramah says you shouldn't do it, it's because of that, so you have to stretch letters and put squeeze letters to make it work out, and he says you shouldn't do it, but everybody does it. And that became uh, an accepted meaning. And this is the same thing. The Paiskin who first become aware of this Hamelach meaning, they say, don't do it. You're going to have to mess around with the whole layout of the Megillah to make it work. And you're going to squeeze letters and, and, and stretch letters because they didn't, use, they didn't have what we have now. Nowadays, all safe from right with a tikkun. Right? It's all laid out already. And it's all been written out. It had nothing to do with computer. It was done pre-computer days. It was for some reason only thought, someone thought of it. Someone named, a cipher named Davidovich, thought of it in the 40s. Why no one thought of it before that? That he wrote out a layout where it works. The letters work nicely. Everything fits, and everybody just uses it. It's a it's a standard layout, like the tikkun. Like every yeah, every single time you get an Ali in the sefer Torah, the always, all the words are in the same place. The balqir can practice. Every sefer is going to be the same, but only that's only recently. The old sefer that we have doesn't stim. Does it? Doesn't? It's not exactly. What? Well? No one thought of it. I can't. it still baffles me. How could no one think of such a simple it, once topic? Out, you well a Torah, well, once you're gonna write it out the document, you might as well write the Yeah, it could be it could <laughs> be really it's true. There's a lot of effort. <laughs> which, lot is of effort. Lot of which is true. There's yeah. a lot of effort involved and also it could be that there was no good way to disseminate it as there is now. It right. would be much easier you know, to disseminate and make money from it. <laughs> Whereas uh, at that, that time, it was a lot of work, a very little shame for mine. And Maybe. types. The yeah, there's a layout for all of them. There's a layout for 42, there's a layout for 11. Yeah, for: uh, for No, no. Right. The, the less than 42, you won't be able to sell such a safe tariff. But, but uh, no, no. There's no minimum. There's no minimum. And from the Gill Loss, you can technically have one line? There is- uh, one line, I don't think you could have. But uh, yeah, but I don't remember. The, there is some minimum, maybe three, I don't know what it is. But, um, so there's no much serum in the way that Septimus, the of lines, but most have been in We don't know. No one knows. No one knows. And there's, there's all the different kinds of numbers. Even the numbers I told you 42, 48, and, and 60, there are 70 lines, Septimus. I've seen it. There's 52 lines of retires. I've seen that too. All retires before again. Before everything became so standardized, like it did today, there was all different kinds of things. And also, again, the same thing is that if you look at those retira, it's very clear they weren't using a Tikkun. because this letter stretched, this letter squeezed. It's it's just you know with a Tikkun, that doesn't happen anymore. Everything is nice and neat. The other way you see it here is the way you see it in the retira. So the problem that the Paiskim had with uh, the HaMelech and the Wabemudah is not really relevant anymore because it's all been worked out. But in those days, and that's a so long ago, hundred years ago, it was a problem. That was an issue. So anyway, um, uh, going back to HaMelech. So, so no one knows exactly why HaMelech developed that I think, personal opinion, is the same way a lot of Minhagim developed was like this. It's a nice thing. HaMelech is a nice concept. Someone came up with the idea. But it has other advantages. Number one, it's, a, it's shorter. And you can make the, la, the, the letters bigger. Yeah. This is actually the reason why I chose to write in HaMalik Megillah, because the letters are, you can make them 10 millimeters high, uh, which is bigger, and it's just easier to read from. <laughs> Say, if it's small, it's harder to read from. A Megillah is easier to read from. It also looks much nicer. Big letters look very, very nice. You can form each letter beautifully. So you can make a much nicer product. And a Megillah was traditionally something which is a safer product, you know. Cifritaira so don't sell the same way Megillah sell. Like every person and his, you know, most lab people eventually at some point get a Megillah. So a Megillah is a nice sell point. Also a 28 line Megillah is a nice beautiful size. Try to get yourself a case for a forty-two line megillah. Good luck. You're not going to find one. This, they're huge. They don't make they don't make cases for it. So I know it sounds very, uh, <laughs> very, very um, you know unholy, but probably that's why I caught on. Well, Hasidim are very into it. Dafka the megillah. Like I said, there's some Ramazim involved. There's no real source for it. So anyway, so Amal megillah is just a standard, uh, pretty much a standard size, a twenty-eight line. Now, when you write Saras bin haman, here's the thing, aseret bin haman. If there's a Yerushalmi which is very high, a highly debated Yerushalmi. What the Yerushalmi means of we'll the The when the way Asaras Hamman is written in uh, in the Megillah, let's find it over here. You have part of it over there. Oh, actually, you can see it on the bottom kind of clearly. Uh, it has to start with the word Ish, right? And then you say etc. And then it ends with the word Asaras. Okay. Now in Yerushalayim it says like this. In Yerushalayim now we write it like this in two columns. It's called a shira. It's called a shira. The shira is that the Rishayim are getting killed. So it's my pelton shal is a shira, and that's, it's written different than Az Yashir. Az Yashir is written like you would lay bricks. Right, two, one in the middle, two, one in the middle, because you want it to be that shira. You want it to be have a qiyum, You want it to be strong. Whereas Rishayim, you write them in two columns, which will collapse. So just to demonstrate that Rishayim, the shira of Rishayim, is that they get destroyed and they and they'll collapse. So that's the way it's written in two columns. Now the Mesef to Seferim or the Rishayim says that you have to write the word ish b'roish dapa, which traditionally would be translated as the top of the amud, and the word Vais has to be written b'roish dapa. At the top of the page. That's all the Yerushalmi says. The Beis of adds, which uh, was taken from Rishonim, that the word aseres has to be written on the bottom of the daf. I'll quote you the language here. Simatuf Reish Tzadi. no that's this okay. would mean, okay. There we go. Um, Okay, he just writes that actually. He just writes, you write Ish, b'roish Dapa, and the S, He doesn't write where to write a saras in, in uh, Shulchan Aruch. It's a, it's a yeah, and if he says, in the end of the Daf, you write the Tevis as saras. So the question is how to understand what this Yushalmi means. Does Yushalmi mean the top of the page, and that is on the bottom of the page? which would mean you have to dedicate a whole column to the Aseres Bnei Haman. That's the way the Be'i have understood. So Be'i have understood that a, a whole column has to be dedicated to Aseres Bnei Haman. Now obviously what will happen is, is that if you have a 28-line Megillah, and Aseres Bnei Haman only takes up 11 lines, there's 10 Bnei Haman, 10 Bnei Haman but we start with the word uh, um, Ish, and we end with the word Aseres. So there's 11 lines that, that are Aseres Bnei Haman. So if you have a 28-line Megillah, and certainly if you have a 42-line Megillah, and you have to dedicate a whole column for a Sarasmi Haman, so what ends up happening is you have to make the Sarasmi Haman very big. And you write right, like four, four lines per, per line, or, or three lines per line when you're doing a 28 line Megillah, right? So that's what, according to Bey Sarasbani, that's the way it kind of ends up coming out. That since you have to have a whole column for a Sarasbani Haman, no special reason given why, but since you have to have a whole column for a Sarasbani Haman, you have to make it very big. And that's the way you'll, well. So then they say there's a problem if you're going to space them out more, it's going to look like you're adding parshiyas, right? So you can't, you have to make them big so that it looks evenly written and it doesn't look like you're adding a parsha because skipping a line is equivalent to making a parsha, a new parsha. So we don't want to make a new parsha between each one of the sereis and haman. You can't skip lines; it has to be evenly spaced. It has to be uh, equal. So you you make it a full page. That's most Megillus that you look at. That's the way it is. The Gra had a big problem with this. The Gra says it doesn't make any sense. There's no way you can do this because we have a mesaira which ICS are supposed to be big in the Megillah and which ICS are not, like we have in the Sefer sab- 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 Torah. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Echad. You're all familiar, right? The Ayin of Shema is big. The Dalat of Echad is big. It's a mesaira. It's a mesaira lachol myshemesina. Which ICS are big? It's some ICS are small. By Yikra, the Aleph is small. Aleph Zira. Well. Right. So there's, there's, uh, there's, oh, there's a Messiah when you make big letters, when you make small letters. And over here he says there's no Messiah that Sarah's B'nai Hamad should be written in big letters. So how could you write it in a different font than the rest of the Megillah? You're making it big and there's no Messiah. He says you, the Beis Yosef is learning wrong pshat in this Yushalmi. It doesn't mean you have to write it at the top of the page and the bottom of the page. It means you have to write it at the beginning of a line, at the end of a line. Which means basically it's just describing how you make a shira out of it. You have to write at the, the the word ish at the beginning of the line, the ace at the end of the line. And that's the only thing it's saying. And there's no halacha where the Asaras B'nai Haman have to be as far as the column is concerned. So now... That's all the that Gros says in Shulchan Aruch. So in Shulchan Aruch, he disagrees with the so He says, do not make it big, do not dedicate a special column for it, and, and just write it regular, like you're writing everything else. Now, well... The the there, there's, there's, yes, to, be, uh, well, the messiah is is that there are big letters and small letters, and obviously there's the, everything else has to be... In other words, if there's big and small, so it's all relative. It's hard, there's no Messiah how big a letter could be. You could you write... Know, you can, make, you can make the standard font as big as you want or as small as you want. But if you want You're to make one letter, letter means, one letter bigger than everything else, or smaller than anything else, big, big, I'm sorry? Is there bigger letter than yellow? Yeah, sure. There's Chur, karpas V'cheles. The Ches is bigger. Uh, as if, uh, what do you call it? Vaisasa, the zain is small. The Vav is big. There's, there's, uh, yeah, There are a number of, uh, of big. The Tichtav Ester, the tough is big. There, is, there, are, there, are, there are bigger the letters. How many uh, is Benjamin supposed to be longer? Vav. Vav of Aizasa, it's longer. Yeah, it's a big Vav. You can see that in the picture over here on the bottom. Of the Yuminig gra 42 line. So now, that's what the Grah said, right? So the, the, according to the grau essentially, you could write a Saras Ben-Haman, you just write it regularly, and you put it wherever you want, in the column. Wherever it comes out, middle, end, up. Uh. The Grah, later on in his life, was Chayzer, partially. And he said, you should uh, organize it, that the Saras Ben-Haman comes out on the bottom of the column, as you see in the left side over here. The Yuminig gra 42 lines to put it on the bottom of the column. That's the way the Gra wrote his Megillah. Why, why was he chayzer? So he was chayzer for one of two reasons. Uh, there, the Chesam is one reason, and the Chai Adams is another reason. The Chesam says the reason why the Gra was chayzer was because he was making a shtickle pshar. He said, I still hold that the pshat and Ish and Ve'es, Re'esh Dapo, doesn't mean the top of the page, it means the end of the line. But being that there is some messiah that aseres might mean the the end of the page so let's kind of make a compromise. We'll still write the letters the same way we're not going to make them big but at least we'll position it that at least the SRS ends up at the bottom of the page. We can't get the S the ish on the top of the page because that's going to have to make it a full page and it'll be bigger so we're going to put it We're we're going to write it regular size, but at least we'll do halfway, and we'll get the aseres on the bottom of the page. That's why the Grah, in the end of the day, this is the way the Grah's Megillah looked like. He had uh, 42 lines, and the bottom 11 lines were aseres. The Chizam Sefer also says a... uh, You could have done it the opposite way as well. It's true. I don't know why. I don't know the answer to that. Now, there was another uh, version of why the Grah was chayzer. And that was because he found a Sefer Hamasoira. They, they had these Svarim that, that listed out how things have to be written in Sefer and Megillah. So he found a Sefer Hamasoira, and it said that, again, you know, to lay it out, this, it's, that it has to be laid out, that Saras has to be at the bottom of the page. So he said, okay, you know what, let's change the layout, and let's have a Saras <coughs> on the bottom of the page. But it, he wasn't masking to make the Ish on the top of the page, again, because of the same problem, because the letters are going to be big. Found it would be a for 42, though, what? Not necessarily forty two. say how many. anything else? Yeah, anything else? The the Chassam says a Swara. He says he holds me swara should be written on the bottom of the page. The Chassam Sofer says because to show that there's nothing after them, like they collapsed, they destroyed, and nothing can, no, nothing came afterwards. He says to write it on the bottom of the page. So the Sefer, after he writes his two chuvas, he has two about, down about this in Arachayim, he says you should write it like the Gra, you should write it uh, on you know, regular size, and write it on the bottom of the page. Now, some Sefer has a grandson who's named Shavit Sefer, who is one of his grandchildren, and he says it's very nice, but that's not what some Seifer's Megillah looked like, not what he himself used. He had a Megillah, that the set of haman in the middle of the column it wasn't in the top, it wasn't on the bottom, it was in the middle no one writes a Megillah that way that was the way Chesam had his Megillah and he says he knows that Chesam Sefer wrote in his tshuva that this is the way it should be but he says the Chesam Sever has a number of chubas like that where he says in his tshuva that it should be this way but the Chesam Sever himself actually didn't do that now he doesn't write that in the tshuva he doesn't write in the tshuva that my Megillah is not like that in the tshuva he writes this way it should be done but in the Sheavisari says, Look, it's not what he used. His Megillah didn't look like that. His Megillah had a Sarez Muhammad in the middle, and he says it's for sure because his Rebbe, Rav Nassim Adler, Adler, Zatzal, had a Megillah like that, so that's why he, he did it that way. There's probably some reason off his site, and that's, that's what he writes, which is a fascinating piece of history, which is unusual. Chabad, which is on the right side over here, I just forget, became aware of this today, the, one of the Chabad Rebbe's, the Maharash, I'm not sure what they, how they refer to him. They might just call him the Marash. Or I don't think he's like the middle. Or I don't think that's another name. So the Marash had the distinction of that he was a cipher. And he wrote a Megillah for all of his children. And obviously when a Rebbe writes a Megillah, then that's the way the Chassidim are going to write the Megillah. So he wrote a Megillah, and this is the way he wrote it. One of, he, did, he did many interesting things in his Megillah. One of them is that he wrote the Seras Ben Haman on the top of the column, the opposite of the Groth. He wrote it on the top of the column, and thus... All uh, Beni Chabad Megillahs are written that way, yes. and among other things. Now, they, they, they write, they write uh, uh, Chabad Chassid write, wrote this, that the, the Marash was a cipher, but he wasn't a professional cipher. He was a rough He was a Rebbe. He didn't, he didn't write for a living. So, he says, the Megillah he wrote was a very difficult Megillah to emulate because the letters are squished, they're not laid out, not laid out well. He says, but you know, that's what the debit is. That's what everybody's going to do. I called Rabbi Wolovsky today, and I asked him, Taka, if that's what Megillah looks like. And sure enough, that's what Megillah looks like. And he says, you have to pay a lot of, uh, you have to pay a lot of extra money to get a Megillah written this way, because it's very difficult to write. It's not easy. It's laid out in a way that's difficult to write. So it's, uh, it's an expense, an extra expense for a Chabad Megillah. Now, in today's day and age, there's something called a Gra Megillah. And now, as we know, the Gra Megillah, we know what the Gra Megillah looked like, but that's not what's called. What's today called the Gra Megillah is actually something the Gra never used. And the Mishabura says it's really Chay Adam. The says that it, you should not use a gra. You should not use a Megillah like the gra, which means with the uh, Asaras Haman on the bottom. He had, brings many Peskin. They say like the Beis Yisef. Asaras Haman have to have their own column, and he says it's not a problem. The fact that it's bigger is because since it's a whole column, so it doesn't look like it's a bigger letter or a small letter. And you look at each column by itself. As long as it's equal in that column, that's fine. And he says the overwhelming minig is not like the gra, and Mr. Buru like that, which is very unusual. Mr. Buru almost always goes, goes exclusively with the gra, but here he does not, and he says the attacker should not use a Megillah like the gra, uh, 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 and you should only use a Megillah that has that Saraswati Haman taking up a whole kal. Now, in later years, and they say the Chazanish was the one who came up with this at first, he says, I know, I have a solution. Very easy solution. We'll write the Megillah 11 lines, right? This doesn't, 28 lines, 21 lines, we'll write the whole Megillah 11 lines. So you write a Sares Ben It'll take up the whole column, but it won't have to be bigger because that's only 11 lines. The whole Megillah is 11 lines. Look at the bottom. The bottom is a is a depiction of that. The, the little picture in the middle also is just another random column of an 11 line Megillah, right? So that's 11 line Megillah. So the Megillah is eleven lines, and when you get to the Esther's Benyehaman, it fits beautifully. You don't have to make them bigger. You don't have to make them smaller. You write them the same size as the rest of the Megillah, and it uh, and 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 it, and it all fits. And you have a whole Amid for themselves. So this is what's called today in modern day. If you order a Grum Megillah, this is what you're getting. Even though again, it's not what the Grum self used. The Grum probably wouldn't have objected to this because you're not doing like the Minig of forty two. The Grum would say, "Look, why well, why are you not writing a forty two line? That's the Minig. The Minig is to write forty two lines." With all Megillah's. but uh, as I'm pretty sure the groz would not have used such a megillah. But it's called the yeah, groz megillah because you're being yeah. mekayim that sheet of the groz. If you, if you say that the groz, what the chacham putting on the bottom is also a pshara. Why, is it, why wouldn't this be ideal according to the groz? Because he would hold. You need forty-two lines. <laughs> that's why. Okay, what, what's the reason you need forty-two? That, that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's an old Mik- uh, minhag. Yeah, that's an old mekayim. That's my guess. He, otherwise, the groz could have thought of this. You know, <laughs> why wouldn't he want to be Yitzel the whole right. Yeah. I have to Yeah, what, eleven yeah, lines? The, yeah. I haven't actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> seen Yeah, Yeah. I've seen it, yeah. So the other thing they brought down was that there was a it's uh, it called leaps and that that didn't require it when you actually write it this way. That the longer ones are not really the garish. I don't have a look at it. Oh yeah, I that, remember, it that, that I remember. I remember seeing. So I don't know. That exactly that 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 I remember that. seeing. That is isn't ideal okay. to write at eleven lines. I haven't seen that. It's yeah. actually harder yeah. to use the garish. It. It's program. harder to use it on the on, on the beam beam yeah. when you have to fold it over. Yeah, yeah. It's very te- very tedious. A lot of turning. Yeah. What were you gonna ask? Um, I was just going to ask in the twenty eight yeah. twenty-eight ones or the Hamelic the ones, what do they do for for these over uh, here? So it's the Hamelak. look on the picture, you see they, they make it big. That's what they do. Yeah, they make it very big. That's how it's done. So when you go, if you go and you're in the if you're in the market for buying a Megillah. So you're going to be asked What kind of Megillah you want so First of all You're going to be asked What kind of Ksav you want so yeah, If you're Ashkenaz, You should get Ksav this Yosef If you're Hasidish You can get Ksav Ari If you're Svaradi, You get a, Ksav, a Swaradi Ksav And then you're going to be asked What kind of Megillah do you want Do you want a 28 line a 11 line A 21 line And uh, <laughs> Say I don't know <laughs> So they'll tell, you, they'll tell you What's going to happen You're going to say Well if you're a Litvish guy Almost all Litvishes get An 11 line Megillah Which is largely true that, for the most part, people like to get an 11-line Megillah nowadays because it's it's all the shitists. So it's, it's gishmak. Now, it's, it's, essentially, there's no problem with it. Uh, some 11-line migillas are not written properly because there's another halacha, we we'll won't go into it right now, but there's another halacha, how much space there has to be in the claf above the lines. So there has to be about three and a half uh, inches above and four and a half inches under. So some 11 line megillas aren't spaced properly, whatever. But if you're getting for a reputable cipher, a reputable cipher, they'll make sure it's done properly. So that's, just, that's the whole sugya with uh Ben Haman, which is a fascinating, a fascinating discussion. And again, learn um, how to write it out. Now, there's one interesting thing. There's a rogachava. So we'll finish with Aseraz bin Haman with this. The rogachava says... That you should write it like the Beis Yosef, And you should dafka make it bigger And it says there's a good reason why it's bigger What's the reason why it's bigger? Because the Saras B'nei we all say it together the, If you look at Mishaburu, we learn to the Shabbos The Chayadim says, shtus, you shouldn't say it together Just listen to the Balkair But obviously, Minik Shtos, everybody doesn't Right, that's the overwhelming meaning. Everybody reads it together And then the Balkair says it again Why do we all read it together? So the is a famous chat, The pshat you might have heard Rabbi says because there's a, there's a halacha that says uh, to be said in one breath when you're listening to someone it, 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 you can hear it and it'll be as if you said it but it can't be as if you said it that you have to do yourself so whenever there's anything extraneous to the Kriya Anything times there's something extra that has to be done besides just the just saying you can't have a shemayik kindness. So being that you need that it should be said beneshimach shimachs in one breath, everybody has to do it on their own. He says that's why it has larger letters. Why he quotes a Tisus, This is very very good of style. He quotes a Tisus in respect to himself wants to know yeah. when we say the brachos of the havtayrin. So apparently in is sudurim and magzayrin. The first bracha of Haftarah, which is Baruch HaTah Hashem, Alakanim Alecho, Elam, Tzurkola, Lam Tzadik, B'chol, Adair, Zekela, Neman, HaEmer, Elayse, Medav, Rekayem, Shekol, D'Rav, Eves, V'Tzedek, Neman, Hashem, Alekenim, Derecha. and we finished that bracha, Baruch HaTah Hashem, Akela, Neman, B'chol, D'Var. siddur had a division. It said, Baruch HaTah Hashem, until Shekol, D'Var, and then in the middle of the bracha, Nemonata was in large letters. So Taish says, what's going on over here? Why is Nemanatha in large letters? Taish says, you know why? Because at that point, apparently, the Minigwas, everybody started saying it together with the guy who was saying the Brachas. Everybody started saying it in unison with him. Nemanatha, who and it was like a tefillah. everybody was spelled together with the guy. It's something that we don't do anymore. And Taish says, says, they even the him at that point, they added in the Yaitras over there in the middle of the first Bracha of the Haftirah. So Tai says that's why they wrote it large to let everybody know you should be saying it yourselves. Right. So the, the, the Raga Sheva says is that's why Asaras Ben Haman are made large to notify everybody they should be saying it along with the Balakar or, or they should be saying it themselves. Just a, <laughs> interesting Raga Sheva. It's in Hashmatos Tehelchas Gittin. Go figure. As the Raga Sheva writes it. Okay, that's as far as the discussion of how to write the uh, Asaras Ben Haman goes. Now let's go to the other discussion. The Ramah says in Hilchus Megillah that in the Megillus Esther we only have stumais. None of the parashas are psuchas. The parashas are only stumais. So if you take a look, show you over here. The bunch of parashas in Megillus Esther. They are all stumais. According to the, the Rabbah, that's the way it needs to be written. All stumais. Right. Now... That's Megillus Esther. We have the Ramah who tells us how to write it. We have the Messiah. Megillus Esther was always written. Other Nevi'im were traditionally never written. Maybe in the times of Rishonim, they had the Nevi'im written on cloth, but when you lay Nevi'im in, in, in uh, shuls, it was always laid from a Siddur, it was always laid from a Chomish. The Gura was the first one who tried to institute that they should start writing Nevi'im and Ksubim, the, the Megillas that should be written on a cloth. Before the Gora, was Kamat never done. After the Grah, the Gura instituted it, the and Shaburah Mishib, and supported it, so they started writing Nevi'im on Klaf. Okay, very nice. You want to write Nevi'im on Klaf, but how do you write Nevi'im? What kind of Messiah do we have on Nevi'im? There was no Messiah. No one had any clue. What well, was where the Psuchas are, where the Stumas are? You're writing Yeshaya. How do you do the Psuchas and Stumas? There was no, we didn't have an old text of it, right? Now, how do we know how to write a Sefer Torah? The, our Sefer Torah followed the Rambam almost exclusively. The Rambam wrote, uh, writes out in Hilchasefer right, exactly how to write a Sefer Torah. He writes where the Psuchas are, where the stumas are, what the chaseris are, what the yaseris are. For the most part, and that's what we follow. How did the Rambam know how to write a Sefer Torah? The Rambam says that he had a big problem. He was looking all over the place. Everybody was writing a Sefer Torah differently. So the Rambam said there was a uh, what was called in English a codex, which was a, a bound version of the Torah with written, not written in Savashuras, but written with all the trop, with all the Nekudas, and with all the Psuchus and Stumasar. And that was in the, written by someone called Ben Asher. Ben Asher was a family. This was written by Aaron Ben Asher. They were a family of what were known as uh, Mes- Mesorites, people that were experts in diktuk, experts in mesora, the And they wrote this, they, they, they crafted it, they perfected it, and it was in, it, they predated the Ramam by some 500 years. So the, it was it was a very old book, and that book was in possession of the in the Mitzrayim community. He found the book and he wrote all the Hilchah based on that book. That book is known now as the Aleppo Codex because later on it got transferred to Syria. But the Rambam writes this in Hilch Sevetaira a historian's debate is he referring to the Aleppo Codex or not? Good. Basically, you listen to all the history that's kind of mukha that the Rambam was referring to this Aleppo Codex which had from Ben Asher who was the big family that had a Messaira how to write Torah, and that's where all our Torah are based off. The Rambam, for some strange reason, doesn't tell us how to write a Megillah Esther. Very odd. Right? One other thing, it's really Mahakiv. doesn't tell us how to write it. Just writes write Seyfried So we had no know Masaryu really. And the Ramah writes that you should write all the, the things in a, in a Megillah Esther as a stuma. He acknowledges that there are other shittas. He says you go about to Raiv. Raiv told you should write all of them as stumas. And he says a svarah. It has to be like a nigeras. And in the nigeras they're all stuma. I don't know why. They don't make paragraphs in a, in, a, in a letter, so all of them have to be many. He says, if you change and you make psucha, it's possible. Look. So since the rumor, that's how everybody wrote a Megillah Esther. But again, all the other ones—I'm sorry—also Messiah. which what, what are parshas? Yeah, they're also Messiah. Well, that's almost uncontested. Actually, the Chabad Megillah leaves out one of the parshas that we have. So you know, I, I always wonder—you know—you uh, have a Balkhaya who goes up there; it brings his own, he brings his own Megillah. You have no clue where he got that Megillah. I always wonder about that. that that's, like, that's a classic. Ashul gets their Sefer Tyra. They, they get their Dvaram their dusha, But the Megillah you leave up to the Balkyra. Now, he could have gotten this. I've seen a lot of Megillahs. Uh, he could have gotten this Megillah as a, as a chassim present, where the person paid $500 for that Megillah. And it looks like it was paid $500 from. <laughs> and it's just very funny that uh, the zebras Zyaitzah, with that quality Megillah, Anyway, so you can have a Chabad guy being laning like from the Megillah and, and according to our halacha our, mis, our minig, that's not a good Megillah according to our minig. You know, it's just strange that we're, we kind of leave it up to, to that I, I guess I hope the the Rav is knowledgeable <laughs> and, is not, and we'll take, takes note of how the Megillah is, is written that's, that's what you would hope But, according to this Marash one of the places where we have a parashah about Chabad doesn't like no over here, I think it's the tifta vest. I'm pretty sure it's the tifta vest. You see, we have a partition. No space. They go straight. Okay. Anyway, so so uh, so fast forward the Literally, time. If well, they're using that kind of, uh, we're not going to say the whole chabad is it. not yotze. Our is not so ironclad either, as we'll see soon. It's uh, yeah. I'm just saying, it's not. You're not doing to your minig, and it's something that matters. That's all. You're not doing to your minig. So um, so fast forward to the Gra the Grah's Tari Institute started writing a Tanakh. So there were a couple of Seifrim who wrote up the Tanakh, they used whatever text they could get a hold of that showed where the Psuchas and Stumas should be in all the Tanakh, and then the Gra officially approved it. Many people say the Gra didn't take the time to go through it, he just wanted it written on Klaf. Maybe he held it's not so mahia of the Psuchas and Stumas. That whole that whole a group of came to be known as Tikim Bradichev. That was that that layout of the Vayameksum came to be known as the Barditchev layout, which was assumed to be the mini of Claudius Yisroel because they didn't have anything else. Okay, now I'll tell you what happened to me. I was right, right when I started writing. I wanted to write a Shir Ashirim. There's no shame, Hashem. The Shul could use the one. I wanted to write a Shir so I started writing Shir Ashirim. But I, wanted, I needed I needed a layout. I didn't have access to a ticket. so I looked at the yeshiva's Shir and it had uh, four parshias. Four different places it had parshias. Okay, interesting. I looked at another one, and it had four parshias, but in a different place. Not the same place as the yeshiva had it. I said, this is very strange. You look in the tikkun, it had different the, the You know, the, the, the regular tikkun for Balikaira. It had a whole different, different... This doesn't make any sense. Now, so I was aware of this the, the Aleppo Codex, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about it, but now it's been found, and in the Aleppo Codex, there's not four parashites, there's 17 parashites and shir, shir So it's a whole different ballpark, a to- totally different thing. What's the Lepo Codex? So the Lepo Codex was this codex, this, this messiah that, that uh, the Rambam used, it was preserved by the Syrian community for years, hundreds of years. They, pre- they treated it with the greatest Kedusha. They didn't let anybody see it unless they had a special uh, recommendation from Rabbanim that they needed to see it. They, only, they had a whole bunch of people guarding it as you looked at it. They didn't let it be photographed no matter what. They held it like taking away from its kedusha, And it remained in the possession of the Syrian community. In 1947, there, during the time of the War of Independence, there was a, uh, a riot. All the Arab cities started rioting all around the world and they burnt down the shul that the Aleppo Codex was in. The Syrian community was My Sadafesh. And they tried to save it, and they saved it. But the first, it's about a third of the Aleppo Codex got lost. That third, of course, being the whole, come the whole Torah, and the end of it, which was the Megillus, Right. So the part that we need to know the most are the part that got lost. Now, Yeshayimrim that it didn't get lost in the fire; it was stolen. And parts had started to turn up. People stole it because they wanted it. They had a lot of kadusha, They kept it as a segula. So it's not clear that it's actually lost. That's that's, that's, that's a controversial. That's a uh, what, what what do you call that again? A uh, that's the, the the what do you call it, theory? You know, huh? the conspiracy theory. Yes, the conspiracy theory, yeah. so conspiracy theory wasn't lost, but Kibshuta got lost. We don't have it at least. And uh, it, it was it, it and that was it. And that was smuggled out of Syria later on. And for years, people thought that's it. We don't have no record of the, the Aleppo Codex otherwise. Then, it turned out like this. In 1860, there was, right, 1850s, 1860s, there was a yid named Reb Shalom Shachne Yellen. Shalom Yellen. Reb Shalom has a son, a very famous son, Nefei Na'im in the back of the Gemara, that was his son. Big time. Reb Shalom Shachne Yellen was an expert in Diktuk, an expert in Messaira. He used to go around in Europe from community to community, correct us if we he wanted to see this Aleppo Codex. He knew all about it. So he came to Yerushalayim, and he went around to Rabbanim Yerushalayim and said, write me a letter that they'll let me write, read, look into this Aleppo Codex. So this letter is signed by all the Rabbanim Yerushalayim. The Sephardi Rabbanu, Rabchaim Abu LaFia, Rav Yosef Zundlumi Salant, who is the Rabbi of Yerushalayim Salanter, Tamar Ruhayim Bolozner, the Rav Shmuel Salant, was the Rabbi of Yerushalayim, Rav Yaakov Berlin, who is the father of Nitziv, Everybody signed the letter, and the letter says that we have to, you have to let them see the Aleppo Codex, you have to let them notate where the psuchus are, where the stumas are, because otherwise we have no good Messiah. Everybody, this is what we need, so that we can finally have our Torah written properly, and we can have our, our magilas written properly. So that means basically, all the Rabbanim of Yerushalayim were saying that whatever Aleppo Codex says, that's halacha, that's what we're going to do. He unfortunately died. He did not make it to Aleppo, but he sent his son-in-law, whose name was Rabbi Kimchi, and his son-in-law went with a little Tanakh, a little bound Tanakh, and he went to the Aleppo Codex, they let him see it, and he marked throughout the whole Tanakh, wherever there was a difference between our and the Messireh and the Aleppo Codex, he notated it, he wrote it in the Tanakh, and he wrote exactly what the Aleppo Codex says, and he brought it back, and it got lost. <laughs> no one knew what happened to it. It could not be found. So it was gone. Fast forward to 1986. This is in, this is in, this is 1900, right? This happened about, by the time he was done, or was it was in 1890. 1986, almost 100 years later, there's a gentleman by the name of Yellen he's from, but he's not, you know, not a Tamu Chachem. And, uh, he's, you know, he's from the, this, this uh, Rav Shachna is this, his great-great-great-grandfather. And uh, his house in Kiryat Moshe is about to get demolished. So he has to, uh, has to clear it out. And in, in the attic, he has some old musty books. Old Chumash, old Sudir, old stuff. So he doesn't have any use for it, so he calls a friend of his that was in Yeshiva with him, and his name is Rav Shleimah Lawrence, very famous person today, very famous politician, but then he was just a Yeshiva student. And he says, Hey, you know, I have some old swarm in my attic, maybe you want a couple. So Rav Shleimah Lawrence looks at them, he takes a sitter, he says, This is old Kulmish there, the doesn't need it. Uh, and he says, Okay, can you do me a favor, Rav Shleimah, Just give it to Gneezer, give it to some swarm store, and get rid of it. He says, Fine. So, uh, Teich Advarim, there was this famous scholar, whose name is uh, Ofer, Ofer, who was a, uh, a biblical scholar, was an expert in the surah, and he hears that the Yellen home, a friend of his tells him, oh, the Yellen home is about to get destroyed, and I heard there are some old books in the attic. And he remembers this story, that everybody's been looking for this uh, chumash that got lost, that had the only notation of what was actually in the Level Codex. So he finds out about this, so he goes to uh, Tereb Lawrence. He Himamish saved it from Gneezah in the last minute. And sure enough, it was this Chumash, and it had all the notations of how to write uh, Megillah Sesta, how to write the Torah, everything was there, all notated, and with the haskama of the older Abad Mirusha line. Problem is, in the Aleppo Codex, there are numerous Psuchos in Megillah Sester. to start with that. This is written this is uh, based on the Aleppo Codex, this set, if you ever see it? I'll show you one of them. Right there. Aleph. According to the Aleppo Codex is a parashipsucha. Now we have a problem, what are we gonna do? The Ramah says write them all stumas or it's puzzle. And the Allah says, which we know is our Messiah, and we know is the Messiah, the Raman based which we base our Messiah on, and older Banu Shalim signed and said, This is it gentlemen, whatever it says they were gonna do and it says do parsha psucha. This made such a tremendous uh, controversy and it, it, it was like, you know, people were shachting each other. I mean the first I heard of the, the, the depth of it, I was getting a bukina. Um, in uh, in Lakewood from Rav Shia Kepenia. No, he is Rav And if you remember, he gave a in the Yachakal. So, uh, needless to say, he doesn't give, the, he's, he's a very fiery individual and uh, didn't give the easiest b'china. So he gave it to me in, Lakewood has a, a, um, a, a, a library of ancient svarim. It's called Svarim Nadirim. So he, that's where he has access to it, so he gave it to me. He wanted a quiet place. He gave me the there. We come up there and there's a guy looking at a big something. I ask, what's he looking at? He's, he starts muttering under his breath. He says, I would burn down this whole library just to burn that. And it was an Aleppo Codex. It was, a, it was a, a reproduction of the Aleppo Codex. And he was all fired up about it, how you talk and someone would change our Messiah and write a Megillus Esther based on the Aleppo Codex. Not like our Messiah. People were furious about this both ways. Furious that you have to do it that way. Furious you don't have to do it that way. There's Svarim written. One is called Das Tira, The other one is called Kinnah um, uh, Seifrim full of letters from Gedalim saying that you shouldn't use it and chas Shalom to use it, other ones saying you have to use it, and it's the same people. Same Gedalim. I'm serious. The same people are, are quoted in one paper saying that chas to use it, i quoted in the other one that you have to use it. So like I'm saying, it went with the same kind of, the controversies always go. <laughs> it followed the same, same pattern where, you know, it was confusing what anybody held, and it was a tremendous controversy. Tremendous controversy. Now you're not going to find a Aleppo codex Megillah so easily. You would have to make a special order to get one, get one written like that. Traditionally, we still stick with our messiah and we write it Stumais. But it was a very big kasha. Why would we not? Why Why would we change it? So anyway, it's uh, it, it 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 ended up being that in Bnei Brak, for the most part, they very much supported the Aleppo Codex. Over there, I believe they did write start writing the Megillus based on the Aleppo Codex. Whereas in, uh, in Yerushalayim, they were very stark with the Missouri. They felt that they had the Grah and the Grah had pr- proved this whole Tanakh, which is known as Raditship. I, I had a question like this. When I was about to write this Megillus Esther, there's two things really that we get from the Aleppo Codex. One is Stumas and psuches, right? How to do the Stumas and so it's okay, The Ramah says, do them all Stumas. We'll do like the Ramah. But there's another thing. According to the Aleppo Codex, it also tells us how to write certain words, spelling. For example, just the one example, if you look at the, the picture over here, Aridai, uh, the la- second to the last of Aseras Beni Haman, is spelled with uh, two yuds, Aridai, right? Ar- Aleph, Resh, Yud, Dalad Yud. And the Aleppo Codex is spelled Aleph, Resh, Dalad Yud. Spelled without that extra yud. So I was wondering that it's one thing we have a Messiah of the Ramah to do and Stumas, we'll do them all Stumas, but maybe the spelling we should do like the Aleppo Codex. So I asked Rukhayim Kanievsky when I was there. And he said, No, do them both like mini Badichev, br- 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 do them both like the, the mini of the Groth. That's what I did, found, which is the more standard, standard thing to do. But again, this created a tremendous controversy. There's Nafkuminis in how to write the Sefer Torah as well. But outside of Miguel Sester and outside of Sefer Torah, everything else pretty much Sefer have accepted the Lepo Codex because it really isn't a Messiah. Everything else really doesn't have a Messiah. So when I wrote Shea Shirem, I wrote it with the Lepo Codex, with the 17 uh, parashists. The people who say you shouldn't say, like, being that you can't use it for Miguel Sester, so you can't use it for anything. That's their, that, that's their approach. You know, it's puzzles, it's treif, it's khalosh. But, uh, but yeah, that's approach. the approach. It seems that most of them don't do that. Most of them follow the the Codex for everything else, at least, besides Torah and, uh, and Miguel Sester.